uh, despite having to hear me tonight. So we, again, we're in Hebrews 11 tonight. Uh, I've been helped by every single lesson in this series. Uh, we've talked about temptation. We've talked about internal security. We've talked about what happens when we sin. Uh, we've talked about getting assurance of salvation. And last week, we talked about fear. And This week, uh, we're going to introduce one more thing that every Christian should know about, and that is faith. Faith and how to have it. There's, an, there's a story about a man who uh, climbed up on his roof to fix uh, his antenna. And for those of you who were born uh, not too long ago, an antenna is a long stick <laughs> that, that catches a signal from a satellite. Okay, A satellite is a big bowl in the sky. Okay, That's how you watched TV back then. A TV is a little box that you get to watch Netflix on, okay? So now that we've got our terminology straight, he goes up on the roof, and he's fixing his antenna. He's on a slanted roof, and he slides down, and he tumbles over the edge, and he is barely hanging on by his fingertips. Can you picture this? And uh, he is, he's praying all the prayers that he can pray, and he says, he looks around for a second in desperation. He looks down below him, and he says, is there anybody down there that can help me? And he heard nothing. And so in desperation, he looks up to the heavens and he says, is there anybody up there that can help me? And he waited for a second and he heard this deep voice from the heavens and it said, believe and let go. And he waited for a second and he said, is there anybody else up there that can help me? And the point of that story is when we talk about faith, we have to realize that people have their own ideas about what faith really is. We hear athletes all the time and with, with good intentions. And we hear politicians who are usually lying. And they say, I'm a person of faith, don't they? Um, it is usually a lie. We see people on TV and in churches who claim that your faith gives you the power to heal or to be healed. They say that can, your faith can make you prosperous or that it can change the way you've been treated in life. They say it can make you more successful at your job. They say it gives you the power to change your future. And let me be clear tonight. When we're going to talk about what faith is, let's establish what faith is not first. That is not a biblical definition of faith. One author said this, Faith is not a power which you possess to create your own future. Faith is a God-given ability to trust the future that God has already promised you. So tonight for a little while, I want to look at this subject and ask the question, what is faith and how do we have it? There's a famous passage in Scripture, probably the most famous that, that would talk about faith, and that is Hebrews 11. And we're not going to read the whole chapter, but just a few verses, and we'll skim through more of it later as we keep going. Hebrews 11, verse 1, if you're there. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, faith, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. And by it, being dead, yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. That's a, what a way to go, right? And it was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without, hello? Somebody got a call? But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, 
and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Let's pray real quickly, and we will uh, dive in. Lord, thank you so much for this night. Thank you for all those that are here. Lord, I pray that as we open up your word for a few minutes that you'll help us. Help me, Lord. I'm, I'm, I need your help, Lord. I, I can't do this, but you can. So I pray that, Lord, you would speak through me. Lord, help me to say the things that I need to say and not say the things that don't need to be said tonight. Lord, and all of it is for your glory, and we ask your blessing on it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's set the stage really quickly from the book of Hebrews. The author of the book of Hebrews is, is, is unknown. We went into Paul wrote most of the New Testament, so there's a good chance that he wrote Hebrews just by percentages. Um, since, he, since he wrote most of the New Testament, they think maybe this is one of his helpers, like Barnabas, that may have helped write this book. But the audience of Hebrews, the readers of Hebrews, is believed to be a community of Jewish believers. And we'll see why in just a little bit, but some of these Jewish community of believers were strong believers, and some were not. Some were kind of on the fence about their faith. Um, maybe that was because of possible persecution that could be coming or imprisonment for being a Christian or maybe from not quite being able to grasp what salvation by grace through faith was just yet. And this explains kind of the purpose of the letter of Hebrews. It's broken down into a few different areas. And uh, the, the beginning of Hebrews, uh, Jesus is compared with angels. Jesus is compared with Moses in the middle of Hebrews. He's compared with Old Testament priests. He's compared with sacrifices in the book of Hebrews. And then at, at the end of the, the book of Hebrews, he talks about faith. But there were a couple central agendas for the book of Hebrews. Number one, it was to elevate that Jesus was superior to anyone or anything else. Jesus is better. And he was better than whatever they could put in place of that. And aren't you thankful for that? Uh, think about the example of chapters 8 through 10 of Hebrews, where Jesus is better than all the sacrifices. His death was better than animal sacrifices. Why, why was that? How was that better? Because his death was once and for all of mankind. His death is sufficient for the sins of the world. And there was no more need for animal sacrifice after this. These animal sacrifices had to be done yearly. And there were specific stipulations involved to make sure that the, the sacrifice was done correctly. And what the author of Hebrews is talking about is that Jesus' death on the cross obliterated the need for sacrifices as he was the ultimate sacrifice for mankind. And the author is spending time in this letter to show this Jewish community of believers that Jesus was better than anything else that they could have. More than man-made religion and traditions, Jesus was better than all of it. And the second thing was the challenge of those readers to remain faithful despite persecution or whatever came their way. And then to accomplish that goal, the author wrote Hebrews 11, which is where we're at. This is widely known as the Hall of Faith. And it's like a, it's like a Hall of Fame for followers of Jesus. For sports guys, they often have their uh, Hall of Fame or their top five of whatever sport. If we're talking about basketball, clearly the number one is who? Michael Jordan. Duke. Oh, my goodness. Our father. <laughs> you heard those words. No, if we're talking about the top five of, of, of sports or in basketball, you, you think of people like Michael Jordan. But this is the hall of faith. And so Paul is going to talk through these, through these examples, Old Testament examples, and explain that it was always by grace through faith. 
So let's look at verse 1 one more time, and let's answer this first question. Number one, number one, what is faith? Verse 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That word substance, it, it's a substantial word, isn't it? It literally is substance. It carries substance with it. When we think of substance, we think of something tangible, don't we? One author said this, Faith is a gift from God. It enables us to take hold of the unseen world and bring it into the realm of our experience. It is like a sixth sense. Now think about your senses for a moment. Aside from touch, almost all of our other senses work like faith does. Faith is to the soul what the senses are to the body. All of our senses exist in the unseen world. We cannot see them doing their job. We only see the result of them. Think about sight. Okay? You drove in. You used your eyes, hopefully. We know that light exists but the only way to see light is through our sight. Think about sound. We hear the waves of the ocean. We hear the rain outside. But whether we hear them or not, they exist. We only can hear them through the sense of our hearing. Think about smell. In the unseen world, aromas are present. If you don't believe me, check your teenager's bedroom. Okay? Drive through a Chick-fil-A. Okay? These aromas exist, and the only way to experience them is through the God-given sense of smell. Think about tastes. Out there in the world are incredible tastes. Once again, Chick-fil-A, fried squash, mashed potatoes. Do I need to continue? I'm already hungry enough, okay? A lot of you who, a lot of you who had COVID experienced a loss of some of these senses, taste and smell. I remember when I, was, when I first got COVID, it was the day after Christmas, and I did not know what in the world was wrong with me. Okay, so that after Christmas, I go into the kitchen and I say, we're going to fix this. I got open, a, I got a fresh bag of Doritos out, y'all. Fresh bag. I mean, ripe. Perfect Doritos. Couldn't taste them, couldn't smell them. I, I, it was over. I knew I had COVID. But it's, you experience that sense, and then you don't know what it's like until you go without it. But those senses are God-given. All of these senses are unseen things. But God gives us something to take that which is unseen and make it a part of our reality. That's what faith does for us in the spiritual realm. Out of this spiritual realm is the reality of God. Then the spiritual realm is the history of Christ and, the, and his death on the cross. And it is God that gives us this gift, this sense of faith. It enables us to take what we cannot observe and it becomes part of who we are. Faith is the substance, the reality of things Hoped for. That word hope isn't like the word hope that we use today. We don't say, I hope that we can stop somewhere and get a milkshake tonight. No, hope in the Bible is, uh, Adrian Rogers said this, hope in, in Scripture is assurance mingled with anticipation. It is a confidence that we can rest on because we rest on the Word of God. He continues the thought, faith is the evidence of things not seen. Faith demonstrates to the eye of the mind the reality of those things which cannot be discerned by the eye of the body. Faith gives us the ability to accept these things, to believe these things, and to have confidence that they are true. Uh, turn to 1 Peter uh, 1 really quickly. 
1 Peter 1, verse 8. The verses are on the screen. Whom having not seen, ye love. In whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. What he's talking about here. We, we know God, but we can't see him. We love Jesus, but he's not here physically. I don't see the Holy Spirit, but I know that he lives in me. How do we know, believe, and see and understand all these things? We know, believe, and see and understand these things through the gift of faith. We know the unseen God by faith. Faith makes it possible for us to do that. Verse 2. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. These elders are some people that we'll look at in just a few minutes. and They had a lot of different personalities and circumstances in their lives. But there was one common denominator in every one of them, and it was faith. These people were heroes in this hall of faith. Most of their lives were filled with difficulty. And given the chance, they probably would not have written their story the way that God had written it for them. But the faith that God gives the believer is the kind of faith that they can trust the future. They staked their life on it. And that's why they're in this chapter, chapter 11. Hebrews, as we mentioned it before, is written to a community of Jews who had been believers and these, this community, this little church, is learning that they must live by faith, not dependent upon works, but just faith. This was new to them. It needed to be reinforced so that they didn't grow weary in well-doing, but observed these models that were given in Hebrews 11 and be encouraged by it. Some of the people in this community of believing Jews were having a hard time understanding that salvation came by faith, not works. Think about how they had grown up. These people had grown up learning the first five books of the Bible, the law. They thought it was law-based. If they kept the law, then they were good to go. No, it was always by faith. That's why Paul, or not Paul, we don't know who the author was, why I keep saying Paul. That's why the author is given these examples from the Old Testament so that they understand. He was unteaching something. You ever had to unteach something? Okay, I'm learning a little bit of that right now. I've been playing golf for a little over a year, okay? Golf is a four-letter word for a reason. It's difficult, okay? It's tough. I'm just, I'm truly awful at it, all right? Whenever I go and play golf, I'll get pointers from the guys that I go play golf with and little habits that I have when I play that they say, hey, turn this way. Hey, don't do that. Hey, there's water there. <laughs> don't hit it in the water, okay? Little things that I'm learning that have to be untaught in order for me to get better, in order for me to know more. And now I no longer swing my golf club like a baseball bat, okay? I'm getting a little bit better. I do the same thing when I coach Bennett's basketball team. There are kids that come in there that, that have never played the sport in their life. They're shooting behind their head. They're shooting from their chest. They don't understand. You have to unteach some of those bad habits before you can enforce and teach some of the good habits. That's what's happening here in this scripture. The author is warning that these people that maybe were on the fence about their faith, that their salvation would never happen by works, but by grace through faith alone. And brilliantly, the author uses examples somewhere other than the New Testament so that they could remember these names that they already knew about and had read about. These Jews were very well versed in the Old Testament, so the examples that they were going to be given would help give them a greater understanding. At the end of this chapter, 
the author's going to say this, they didn't receive what was promised, but they trusted that it would be just as it had been promised. Simply put, they did this. These people are in the hall of faith because they did this. They took God at his word and they acted accordingly. Verse 3, let's look at verse 3. Through faith we understand that the words, worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. The author is saying here that we accept the truth that God created the world and everything around us by faith. Why do we have to accept it by faith? Because we weren't here when it happened. We accept that by faith. Genesis 1-3 tells us this, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Psalm 33. It's one of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible. And it contains one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Psalm 33-3. It says, Sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise. In statesful ease, that means that when I turn around on Sunday mornings to these guys, I say, play it real good, boys. That's what Psalm 33-3 is talking about. But in the verses following that, He's explaining why we play skillfully, why we sing with a loud noise. He's talking about why we praise God. Verse 6, Psalm 33, verse 6 says this, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Verse 9, For he spake and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. When we look at the beauty of creation, we, through faith, Understand and accept that it was the result of an intelligent design. A beautiful work of art boasts of a great artist. A skyscraper boasts of a great architect. And a beautiful creation boasts of the glory of a wonderful creator. It, verse 3 continues, So that things which were seen were not made of things which do appear. Through faith, we understand that the world was created from nothing. It was not made from things which were already there. God spoke it into existence, and by faith we understand and accept that. Let's skip down to verse 6. Verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. One preacher said this, The beginning of faith is simply believing that God is. God's word tells us that if we will seek God, he will be found. Isaiah 55, 6 tells us this, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Jeremiah 29, 13, And ye shall seek me and find me, which when ye shall search for me with all of your heart. Matthew 6, 33 tells us, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of these, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. If you are truly seeking God, he will be found. It's not about the amount of your faith, it is about the object of our faith. Weak faith in the right object is better than misplaced faith in the wrong object. We can have a strong faith. We can have a big faith because we have a big God. My question is, are we seeking Him? The remainder of chapter 11, the author takes the time to give this hall of faith, of faith-filled people, faithful people in the Old Testament. We won't read all of these verses, but I want to read quickly something to you that might sum it up. I'm going to go fast because this is going to try to cover a lot of this chapter. Faith brings the proper sacrifice. Faith enables one to walk with God. Faith builds an ark when it's never rained. Faith goes out not knowing where it's going. Faith dwells in tents in a foreign country. Faith looks for a city whose builder and maker is God. 
Faith receives strength to bear a child when the mother is past the age of childbearing. Faith offers up one's own son in obedience. Faith believes in the resurrection. Faith promises not to leave Jacob's bones in Egypt. Faith refuses to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Faith chooses to suffer affliction with the people of God. Faith esteems the reproach of Christ greater than the riches of Egypt. Faith forsakes Egypt for the promised land. Faith passes through the Red Sea as on dry ground. Faith walks around Jericho until the walls fall. Faith subdues kingdoms, works righteousness, obtains promises, stops the mouths of lions, quenches the violence of fire, escapes the edge of a sword, turns to flight the armies of aliens, not those kind of aliens. Faith receives the dead back to life, and faith receives the promise. What does faith do? Faith is not just a feeling, it's something that happens. What's something that's in common with every example listed here? Bold faith is fueled by bold belief and is manifested in bold action. Let's look at a couple of these examples. There are a lot of examples of faith over circumstances. Think about Daniel. He shut the mouths of the lions up. That's a tough circumstance. Would you not agree? Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They walked right into the fire. They didn't huddle up and talk about it. They didn't take a vote. They didn't form a committee. They took action. They said, we're not going to bow. Faith under circumstances. Think about the example of Joseph. His life was, was tough. He was in, falsely imprisoned. He's left for dead, sold into slavery. He had all these things go wrong for him, but his faith was strong. Uh, there's the example of, of, of Isaiah. The tradition, According to tradition and history, it's believed that Isaiah was sown in two. He was cut in half for his faith. Prophets like Zechariah and people like Naboth were both stoned because they kept the faith. Think of the example of Stephen. He's preaching, and they literally kill him while he's preaching. They stone him to death. They had faith. They exhibited great faith under circumstances. They took action. They kept on preaching. By the way, these people in the Old Testament, they never saw the Messiah come. They never witnessed the miracles that Jesus did. They, never, they didn't see the resurrection. They weren't present at Pentecost when the church was born. They didn't see the gospel spread all over the world. If they were faithful and steadfast without receiving this promise and without seeing these things happen, we as the church and we today have many, many more reasons to be steadfast in our faith and in our confidence in God. What we believe, and Pastor talks about this a lot, what we believe shows what we truly have faith in and our beliefs fuel us to action, don't they? What is the action here by each of these people? They took God at His word, and they acted upon it. So to answer the question, what is faith? What is faith? And I'm, I tried to put a, give us a simple definition tonight. Faith is action moved by belief and trust. Faith is action moved by belief and trust. So we've looked at kind of what faith is. We've looked at what faith isn't, but, but how do we have faith? Number two, how do we have faith? Number one, we must take God at His word. There's going to be times in our lives where it just doesn't make sense. Circumstances, hardships, trials will come. We've been promised that, haven't we? Do you have an anchor to rest on? 
Where do you go when those things happen in your life? God has given us his word. This is the anchor. This is the anchor that we hold to. I've told this story before here, but I can remember uh, the week that Ashley was diagnosed with cancer. I took the kids to school. I came home, and she was just sitting at the kitchen table, and she had her head in her hands, and it had been an emotional week already, but I asked her, I said, what, what, what is it? What is it? And she said, she looked up at me, and I'll never forget this as long as I live. She had her Bible in her hands. She said, God is giving me exactly what I need. That is not a one-time case. If you will stick in this word, if you will open up this word every day, you will receive what you need. He'll never let us down. That's what the author is talking about in Hebrews just before chapter 11 begins. Hebrews 10, 38 and 39, those last couple of verses, it says, Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back into perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. The author is encouraging this community of believers to not go back into the old covenant, to not go back into their old traditions, because Jesus, as he's mentioned in this whole letter to the Hebrews, has offered something better. He was admonishing to them to, them for, to come all the way to Christ. Don't sit on the fence. Do you want to have a strong faith? How do we have a strong faith? We're going to take God at His word. We're going to plunge ourselves wholly into trusting God, all in. God's word tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That is the formula for faith. So number one, how do we have faith? We take God at His word. Number two, we act on it. We take God at His word, and then we act accordingly. Real faith will always do something. Think about Noah's example. Hebrews 11, verse 7. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not yet seen, rain, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Look at Noah. He built an ark when it had literally never rained. This was not something that had ever happened before. Think about the years he spent crafting the ark just on a promise from God that a flood was coming. But think about what was at risk if Noah didn't follow through on what it commanded, what God had commanded. He'd have lost his family. Noah obeyed God. Think about Moses' example, verse 27 and 28 of chapter 11. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. It talks about in verse 26 before that, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasure, treasures in Egypt. Moses, he obeyed God when it didn't make sense. Think about Abraham's example. Hebrews eleven seventeen. Look at verse 17. By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac thy seed shall be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Think about the obedience of Abraham. Abraham has already been given this promise that he's going to be the father of nations. God gives him a son. 
miraculously in Isaac. And now God has given another command. Take Isaac. He says his only begotten son. Take him and sacrifice him. At first glance, these two things would seem to be in conflict with each other, wouldn't it? Well, you promised me this son. You've promised me this uh, future because of through my family. And now you're going to take it from me? Now you're going to make me kill him myself? But Abraham did what we all should do. This is easier said than done. He obeyed the command and he left the promise up to God. Believing and trusting that God was going to keep his promise. And Abraham trusted God and bet his life on it. And God blessed him for that. All of these people in Hebrews 11, every last one of them, they took God at his word. They bet their life on it. And they followed it up with bold action. So my question tonight as we begin to wrap up here is, what is what's your bold action? It might be for some of you to get up in the morning and take a fresh look at your Bible, knowing that by faith we can trust what it says to be true. For some of you it might be praying bold prayers according to God's Word. Believing in faith that He can according to His will. If we can trust Him to save us, He's promised us that we can trust Him to keep us. Maybe your bold action might be trusting God that even though He could, He didn't. Those are the days that the object of your faith will be what drives your faith. Those are the days where by faith, like these people did, we can accept that He knows better than we do. His ways are higher than ours and that He knows exactly what we need. In our singles class, we've been studying uh, different biblical figures and then we'll, uh, we'll take those characteristics that are noted in the Bible about these figures and we'll compare them with somebody in history. And uh, I loved reading about people who lived out their faith. And one great example is a man named George Mueller. Anybody know who that is? George Mueller. He was uh, known for his uh, he, uh, the orphanage that he built. He cared for children for years. It's estimated that he cared for over 10,000 British orphans. And that he gave the gospel in schools to over 120,000 students. George Mueller was known for his great trust in God. More than once, there are stories recorded of how there was no food and no money for food in these orphanages. And so... What did they do? They didn't fret. Yeah, they were worried. They were going to starve. But what did they do? The story tells you that they sat down to the table. They began to pray. And there's and more than one time it's recorded that knock on the door while they're praying. Food delivery. Money for food. Right on time. That's a trust, and that is a great faith that's followed up by bold action. Real faith believes what God has said and what God has promised and has acted upon. One, one preacher said it this way, faith is belief with legs on it. Faith is not getting man's will done in heaven, but it's getting God's will done on earth. 
I don't know what you need to act on tonight, but I know that God has gifted us with faith and that you can live with a strong faith. It's not faith to, for you to be able to control your future. It's not faith for you to be able to command something and make it happen for yourselves, contrary to popular opinion. It's faith to believe and trust God for what He's already promised us. The author of Hebrews here is reminding us that the reader, that we can have great confidence in God and living this life is impossible. Impossible without faith. God wants you to have a strong faith. But how do we have that faith? We take God at His word. And again, it's reminded that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. We will not have a strong faith aside from a time in God's word every single day. So number one, faith is taking God at his word. I think one uh, Tony Evans said uh, faith is acting like God is telling the truth. That's exactly what it is. Let God be true and every man a liar. We either believe it or we don't. And that's what we stake our faith on. That's what makes us live differently. What, what kind of belief would make us want to uh, not indulge in our flesh? What kind of faith would make us want to serve instead of being a, a consumer? What kind of faith would make us want to give the gospel out to somebody else? It's faith that believes God what he says, that he can and that he will according to his will. But belief is not enough. It's only as strong as the object of our faith. We have to act on that faith, act on that belief. So what's your action? It's, it's different for everyone. I remember when we... Um, we sat outside the hospital the day that Ashley was having a biopsy done. We had a lot more questions than we had answers. And um, she, was, she said, can we pray together before we go in? And we prayed. And I remember praying th these words, God, I'll trust you for today. Just get us through it. And I'll do it again tomorrow. That is how we live our faith. We trust God for today. We trust that God has promised us a future, which He has. And if we can believe that what God says about us today, we can believe what He says for us ahead. So faith, what is it? This belief is an action. It's fueled by action. Faith doesn't sit still. Faith always does something. Real faith does. What's your action? What do you need to follow up with? God wants you to have strong faith. I want to have strong faith. I fail way too often in my faith. I fail way too often in my trust. I say that I believe, but I don't I don't follow up like I should. So do I really believe? God, give us, give us a strong faith. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for these people, these examples that you've given us 
in Hebrews that we can look at. Lord, it was always by faith. It was never ever by works. Lord, my works are nothing. They're filthy rags. Lord, because of your grace, because of your redemption, Lord, you've given us faith. Lord, help us to exhibit strong faith. Help us to grow our faith each day on our own, not just on Wednesdays and Sundays. Lord, help us to act boldly in faith. Lord, help us to do great things through faith. Lord, help us to trust you strong. Help us to trust you boldly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.